This is the Lindell Report, bringing you news combined with hope by offering practical and achievable action points to assist you in defending and preserving faith and freedoms. And now, here is your host, Mike Lindell. Welcome. Glad you are with us. The Lindell Report. I'm Brandon House in for Mike Lindell. We hope to have Mike back with us tomorrow night. He is traveling and again out there trying to fix 2020 and save America. So again, we look forward to having Mike with us uh, hopefully next week. He was with us for about 20, or not next week, tomorrow. He was with us for about 20 minutes on Friday night. You didn't see that uh, from the Trump rally backstage at the Trump rally during that uh, uh, intense rainstorm and uh, kind of like the uh, revisiting of um, Woodstock, all the mud and everything. Tonight, I'm going to be joined by attorney Kurt Olson. Then I'm going to be joined by a uh, research journalist, author, Lee, author of uh, his own book as well, Leo Holman. Leo Holman. And then uh, Laura Logan is going to join us tonight. Got her confirmed to join us tonight as well. So big lineup tonight. You don't want to miss it. Thanks for tuning in. Tweet, text, email, Facebook. Let your family and friends know. Uh, that we are on and we are on live and we would love to have them join us right now if they'd like to at uh, lindelltv.com, frankspeech.com, either one, lindelltv.com, frankspeech.com. Love to have them with us as we uh, take a look at the uh, vital issues of our day. Before we do, go to our first guest, attorney Kurt Olson. Go to frankspeech.com if you would and then go to online store. You, you just go over to, or you can go, uh, if you'd like to, you can go over to uh, MyPillow.com, but uh, I'm going to go to FrankSpeech.com. Go to FrankSpeech.com. Click on Online Store, and when you do, this is what you're going to find right there. I want to remember, remind you, I, I see you, Delta. I want to remind you, this is how we fund everything, folks. This is how we fund everything. Buy one, get one free sale. We don't know how long it's going to last, but we got a buy one, get one free sale going right now. Sheets, pillows, uh, roll and go, uh, towel set set, six towel set, buy one, get one free, buy one, get one free. Again, uh, great graduation gifts, great home warming gifts, great uh, wedding gifts. Uh, this is an opportunity to spend some money somewhere that's going to defend your liberty and freedom and get great products that you need anyway, or great gifts. We're going to throw in Mike's book, a $20 value with any order there. So again, uh, we got the slippers, we got the mattress topper, we got the sleepwear, we've got the overstock. Again, no idea how long this overstock and closeout sale will last, so you might want to take advantage while you can. We got the dog bed, we got the MyPillow mattress protector, we got the yard signs, we got the mug, we got the t-shirts, we got bleed stop, we got uh, the bathrobes, we got the bionic wrench, all of these things. Oh, by the way, you can also go over not only to frankspeech.com, use that promo code L77. L77 to support Mike and what he's doing. Look, we can go over to mystore.com, mystore.com. Look at that. Look at this beautiful page, mystore.com. And look, you got automotive, bath, beauty, books and videos, clothing, all kinds of stuff. And look, there's the uh, painting that's behind Mike in his office, in his TV studio. So again, you can use that same promo code over here at mystore.com, mystore.com, and use that same promo code L77. MyStore.com, L77. MyPillow.com, L77. Whatever you do, just use the code L77 and shop there and encourage your friends to do there. Do that as well to support liberty and freedom. And this network that brings you this kind of programming 24-7. Joining me now is attorney Kurt Olson. 
Kurt, thanks for joining us. Welcome back to the broadcast. Hey, Brandon. Great to be here. Great to be with you. I have you with us as well. Hey, I like your I like your uh, fireplace. That's a beautiful uh, that's a beautiful backdrop, actually. Very scenery a little bit. Yeah, it's great. I love it. I love yeah. That's the thing. You changed it around. We never know what setting we're gonna get with Kurt. You always keep us guessing. So, Kurt, give us an update. Where, how things are going? Uh, for those who don't know, he's an attorney. He's a uh, well, one of the best attorneys out there, and I'm not the only one that thinks that. Uh, but give us an update on some of the fights that you are uh, carrying out, maybe an update on some of the things related to the injunctions related to stopping the electronic voting machines. Yeah, so we uh, we filed an amended complaint on May 4th last week in Arizona. Again, that is a complaint to prohibit the use of electronic voting machines. And uh, we represent Carrie Lake and Mark Fincham. They are the plaintiffs. It is a, it's nonpartisan. The attorneys, a terrific law firm, uh, Parker, uh, uh, Parker, Daniels, and Kibbert, as well as Alan Dershowitz, are on the papers. And that demonstrates that this is really a nonpartisan issue. Everybody should want a free and fair and, most importantly, accurate election where people know that their vote is secure and they know that their vote was actually cast accurately. So that amended complaint was filed on May 4th. Uh, the next step will be to file what's called a, a motion for a preliminary injunction. And that is evidentiary hearing to say right at the beginning of the case that the relief should be granted, in, in this case, prohibiting the use of the electronic voting machines in the upcoming election. The standard for a preliminary injunction or for granting it is to show irreparable harm, a likelihood of success on the merits, and the public interest is at stake all three of which we can demonstrate. So there will be an evidentiary hearing, almost like a mini trial, up front with expert testimony that will show exactly why these machines are neither secure nor transparent in terms of their operations and therefore are not suitable for use in elections. And most importantly, in the upcoming 2022 election this November. The, uh, this, the first case is Arizona, as I mentioned. We will be filing additional cases in the coming weeks, including in likely in South Dakota, as well as Alabama, and other states such as Wisconsin, Minnesota, Colorado, just to name a few. But there will be a whole host of these cases filed around the country. I'd also like to note, this is not, Arizona was not exactly the first action to bring this issue to light. That was actually filed by another group or group of plaintiffs in Georgia against uh, Secretary of State Rassenberger and other election officials, for example, in Fulton County. That case has been kind of dead in the water. The court issued a terrific opinion right before the November 2020 election, a 150 page opinion, citing all kinds of expert testimony where she said at the end, the, it is not a question of if these machines will be hacked it is a question of when, and the future doesn't bode well. But she didn't grant the injunction then because that opinion came out three weeks before the November 2020 election, and she said there was not enough time. Well, there's enough time now. We also, as part of this injunction, have an alternative voting system that's totally secure, totally accurate. It involves hand counting with the pallets under camera every step of the way with secure paper, and that the person who casts their vote will be able to monitor 
their vote as it goes through the counting process so that each individual, and this is critical, each individual will be able to be assured and they will be able to verify that their vote was accurately counted. And that's a, that's a critical distinction than what we have now. These voting machines, they've often been called black boxes. When your ballot goes in there, you don't know what happens. Your voting machine companies and the politicians that all talk about how accurate these things are and how they've uh, they, no fraud has been found. Well, the risk-limiting audits that they cite as evidence, the logic and accuracy tests that they cite have been proven by experts and not our own. And I'm talking, for example, by uh, Professor Haldeman out of the University of Michigan. He has testified under oath that he can show and demonstrate proof of concept how he can, he can defeat the logic and accuracy tests, the risk-limiting audits, and all safety procedures used currently to validate these votes. And he did that in the, uh, the case in Georgia, which is titled Curling v. Raffsenberger. So there are a number of infirmities with these electronic voting machines that we will show they are inappropriate for use in elections. Just like France, I might add. France does not use electronic voting machines for the very reasons that we are citing here, which is that they are neither secure, can never be made totally secure nor transparent. In other words, they're concerned about the cyber threat. Mm, wow. Um, Kurt, you um, want to speak to this issue? Fact. Did you know that in 2010, the U.S. Department of Defense found thousands of its computer servers sending military network data to China? The result of code hidden in chips that handled the machine's startup process. Fact. In 2010, 14, Intel Corp discovered that an elite Chinese hacking group breached its network through a single server that downloaded malware from a supplier's update site. Fact. And in 2015, the Federal Bureau of Investigation warned multiple companies that Chinese operatives had concealed an extra chip loaded with backdoor code in one manufacturer's servers. Can you, can you speak to this issue and how it relates to the injunction? So that yeah, that's a threat. And those are real world examples of the threat that we face that exists not only in those Department of Defense computers and so forth and, and private sector computers, but in our electronic voting machines. Many people may not know that the electronic voting machines that are in use today, many of their, comp their critical components, the circuitry, the motherboards and so forth, are either manufactured or assembled in China. So our most important endeavor that we do as a citizen of this republic, and that is elect our elected our officials, is in the hands of machines whose components that tabulate the votes and determine the, the vote on the ballot are manufactured or assembled in China. And go figure that that's a significant threat that to this day is not addressed. So there is no security. And those are the examples that you just cited. Are real world example uh, are real world events that show the nature of this threat. And if you think about it, in terms of our adversaries, to be able to control the outcome of an election is far far greater than any kind of commercial uh, gain one could get by stealing proprietary data or finding you know. Uh, Visa or MasterCard data, you know, credit card data, things like that. 
if you control the outcome of elections, you can control a country. And what better way for any of our adversaries to to uh, to actually attack us? And so if you look at what President Trump did in November 2020 or in preceding that election, he, for example, brought on sanctions on China as well as tariffs and so forth. So there were billions and billions and billions of dollars. And when you think about an overall economy, there are trillions of dollars at stake, all of which is controlled through policy, policy that is implemented uh, by elected officials. And so this, there, is, there is much to be had by controlling elections that our adversaries, no doubt, are doing, just as experts for the past 15 years have talked about, but nobody's done anything about it. And we're going to do something about it right now. And France, France is an example. I mean, what do they have, like 67 million people voting over there? And they, they, they count their votes and get it all done in a day or so, don't they? Exactly. It is not. This is what we did 20 years ago before the advent of moving to machines for convenience. And so this process, you know, we got along fine for you know, quite some time with, you know, hundreds of millions of people casting votes in this country. It's, been, it's still done to this day in countries like France and elsewhere. So it, it is easily done. It just requires a little bit more participation by voters who participate in their republic, which I think, given what has occurred, will not be a problem finding volunteers to come forward and to help out with, for example, ballot counting. And I, I want to add that the injunctions, they, like I said at the beginning, these are nonpartisan. Everybody, whether you're a Democrat, Republican, Independent, all these injunctions seek is to make sure that votes are securely tabulated and transparently tabulated. This is not about overturning the 2020 election. This is about going forward and making sure elections going forward, starting with the midterm elections coming up in November, are free and fair and accurate. Um, before we let you go, were you... Um have you seen Have you seen uh, Two Thousand Mules? I have. Were you at the premiere? I was not. I okay. was not. I uh, I was working on other matters right now. Yeah, I bet you were. So. Uh, so you've seen it. Tell I have not had a chance to see the full thing yet. Tell Tell our audience, being that you're immersed in this and have been for over a year now, well over a year now, you're so immersed in this day and night, day and night, day and night. I mean. If you're going to ask someone give a give us a review of 2,000 Mules, it, it needs to be someone like you, Mike Lindell, you know, all these people that have been doing this for so many months. So I want your review of 2,000 Mules. Well, it's stunning because it shows a broad-based, coordinated effort to steal an election. Not a few, you know, one-off instances of fraud, but a coordinated effort across the country. And so mail-in ballots which was you know, the predominant theme with 2,000 Mules. These are ballot harvesters using mail-in ballots and dropping them in drop boxes are an easy way to steal. As a matter of fact, back in 2005, there was a commission, bipartisan commission, it's called the Carter-Baker Commission. And that's Jimmy Carter and uh, James Jim Baker. Baker, James Baker. And the conclusion from that commission or one primary conclusion, is that mail-in voting is one of the easiest ways to 
commit fraud. Now, in this case, that was 2005, so electronic voting machines had not been uh, really in use quite often by that time. And, and the, uh, the limited instances where they were, I believe it was ES&S, there's a, a book called Black Box Voting, which ironically you can find on the CIA's library website, <laughs> uh, talks about a number of instances where there were anomalies, where the votes were not accurately tabulated. Uh, similar to, for example, in Antrim County in the November 2020 election, when they found that 7,200 votes were somehow uh, given to uh, Biden and not Trump. They were flipped. Now, they, of course, attributed that to user error, but there are those that dispute that. And uh, I might add one thing when it comes to uh, 2,000 mules. They, they did a terrific job because it's something that is easily understood. When you have on camera these ballot harvesters stuffing ballot boxes, and not just stuffing ballot boxes, what is, what is very interesting to me is that they would go not just to one ballot box, but they would go on a route to 10, 20, or more ballot boxes and dropping in set numbers of ballots. And there is a strong evidence that is coming out that much of this was through, there was a controlled algorithm in the machines. We've seen evidence of it that has been reported in what we call Mesa Report 3, where the ballot record data, all of a sudden there were two new databases created, and this was shown in the election management system through a forensic image of it, that two new databases were created and the ballot record data a subset of it magically transferred into those databases. And without getting in too much into the, the details, that shows electronic manipulation of the ballots. You layer in the ballot stuffing that was shown in 2000 mules, and you have a perfect storm. Because someone asked me today, you know, what difference will it make? Or is it just being viewed by people that already agree with us? And I said, well, you know, our job is to put out truth. Our job is to put out truth. You know, duty is ours, the results belong to God. We just have to be faithful in putting out the truth. I said, we're in an information operation. We're in a, we're in a psychological uh, information warfare. And the kryptonite to their propaganda is the truth. And our duty is to put out the truth and hope that as many people see it as possible. And I said, I would not assume that the only people watching this are people that agree with us or, or already been convinced. In fact, I tend to believe that a lot of people will watch this uh, because friends give them a DVD, friends invite them over to see it, friends go with them to the theater to see it. Um, I, I believe there are spouses. I think people will go with their spouse to see this or watch it at home who are, you know, not one, one's really into it, one really doesn't know. I think, I think, again, there will be people watching this, particularly as we see the polls showing so many people are unhappy with, ha with, with what's happening to our country and I think many of them are becoming more and more interested in this issue. So I'll ask you that question that someone asked me today. Do you think we're reaching beyond just presenting this to the choir? Of course we are. And you can see that you've, you've seen, we've seen this in the polling data, for example, that's come out even before 2000 mules. You look at the Rasmussen polls from April, 2021 to October, 2021, it went up from, 
somewhere on the order of an additional five points of independents believed the election had been stolen. And it was across the board as well, not just with independents, Republicans and Democrats and increasing. So far from going away, people are becoming enlightened. Every, I mean, it's, it's pretty, the evidence is there. Despite the media coming out and talking about the big lie and saying there's no there there, with 2,000 mules, you're faced with video evidence. And that's pretty incontrovertible. You could, it's right before your very eyes. Now, of course, many will say, just as the 51 intelligence professionals got out there and, and uh, said that Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation only to be shown to be, uh, that was falsely stated to be polite. Those 51 intelligence professionals made a false statement about Hunter Biden's laptop being Russian disinformation. These same types of folks are the, are the ones that are saying that the November 2020 election, uh, any evidence that it was stolen is a big lie. Well, no, they're being proven wrong every day. More and more evidence comes out. And to your point about are more people learning? Yes, I can give you anecdotes where, where I live. It's, it's not exactly a hotbed of conservatism. I'm a, I'm a bit of an outlier, but I make an effort to talk to people. And I have friends who are on the left, and at least who are honest on the left. And um, they, they know about 2,000 mules, they've watched it, and their eyes are being opened. Because at the end of the day, again, I can't say emphasize this enough, this is not about overturning the 2020 election, although 2,000 mules does show that that election was wrongly awarded to Biden. It's about, particularly with these injunctions, that we we take back our country from those that are trying to control the outcome of elections. And it is so critical. And it's it's a multifaceted attack by which these elections are being rigged. It's through the mail-in votes, it's through the machines. Those are the two predominant areas that we can show can manipulate elections. I mean, even back in, in 2008, there's a gentleman by the name of Clint, Clint Curtis, and I encourage every one of your, every one of the viewers on this show to just go out and Google Clint Curtis rigged elections. And you'll see a short video where he is testifying under oath at the Ohio legislature. And he comes forward, he's a computer, a software programmer. He comes forward, he says, I was retained by Representative Tom Feeney, a Republican congressman in Florida to basically rig an election. Can you use these computer voting machines to rig an election? He said, yeah, sure, it's easy. I can make it flip 51-49 every day of the week. And then he was asked, well, would anybody be able to detect it? He said, no, not without getting into the source code. So this, the, the ability to rig elections through electronic voting machines, this isn't something new. It's well known, um, particularly amongst software engineers and computer science uh, types, that these machines can be used to rig elections. It's, it's ridiculously easy to do it. And as Professor Haldeman said, all of the safety procedures that supposedly ensure the integrity of the vote, he can, he, he's testifying on earth. I can get around him easy. The, the other movie that I would encourage everybody to go watch, and it's posted on Frank's speech, and it's Hacking America's Electronic Voting Machines. It's about an hour long. It is basically a montage of clips of recognized experts from Princeton, from Georgetown University, from University of Michigan, 
going through and showing exactly how electronic voting machines can be used to rig elections and why they're not suitable to guarantee the, uh, the uh, accuracy of the vote in this country. Mm. Logan, show, if you don't mind, the screen here. Here we are, Dominion exposed, bombshell proof, election machine manipulation, and then what Kurt just talked about, complete video, hacking America's voting election. And it is just one video after another, and a lot of it is congressional testimony, elected officials, members of Congress, people of both parties, Republican and Democrat, talking about the vulnerability of these machines. That right there would yeah. be a great video to send to all your family and friends and say, wait a minute, uh, look, the left and the right are saying the same thing, you know? And, and, and by the way, you've got a lot of people involved in these cases that are Democrats, and one of them being, of course, Alan Dershowitz, who we had on last week about this, and uh, Kurt makes a great point about that. Kurt, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for all your hard work. Any closing comment? Watch the videos, watch 2000 Mules and watch, watch Hacking America's electronic voting system. Both of them are bombshells. They really are. And they will wake people up and then tell your friends about it and get them to watch it. Because when we spread the word and people are enlightened exactly how these elections are being rigged and stolen, that's when we can start fixing this and make sure this never happens again. Before I let you go, can you, Logan, show the screen again if you don't mind. Can you speak to this? Can you speak to the LindellLegalFund.org? Yes, the Lindell Legal. So these lawsuits do cost money. Like I said, we've hired uh, Alan Dershowitz, uh, the firm uh, Parker, Daniels, and Kubert. And there are many other efforts that the Lindell Legal Offense Fund is funding. These are investigations. There are other lawsuits. There are grassroots education efforts. And so any donation goes 100% to, to those efforts. And we appreciate you know, any donation that anybody can make. He's, uh, Mike has been uh, doing the, the laboring ore uh, for the past year and a half in carrying this uh, torch forward. And so any help would be greatly appreciated. Excellent. LindellLegalFund.org, LindellLegalFund.org. Uh, the proof is in the pudding. Look at what they're doing. The first one filed in Arizona. Carrie Lake and Mark Fincham are the plaintiffs. More moving forward. And, Counselor, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. Kurt Olson checking in tonight. We appreciate his work. Appreciate Mike's work. LindellLegalFund.org is how you can get involved in that work. LindellLegalFund.org. Joining me now is author and research journalist uh, Leo Holman. Leo, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you for joining us, Leo. Hello, Brandon. Thanks for having me on. Well, Leo, I want to have you on, and I've got Laura, Laura Logan, coming up here in just a few minutes. I wanted to ha I'm going to have her respond to this same article. Uh, here's an article that is by Glenn Greenwald tonight, um, entitled "How Covert Agents Infiltrate the Internet to Manipulate, Deceive, and Destroy Reputations." Now, this is from back in 2014, but I think it bears us highlighting this with all that's going on. The subtitle, one of the many pressing stories that remains to be told from the Snowden archive is how Western intelligence agencies are attempting to manipulate and control online discourse with extreme tactics of deception and reputation destruction. One of the many pressing stories, okay, that looks like the same paragraph, 
Over the last several weeks, again, remember this is from 2014, I worked with NBC News to publish a series of articles about dirty trick tactics used by the GCHQ had previously secret unit, uh, the Joint Threat Research Intelligence Group. These were, these were based on four classified GCHQ documents presented to the NSA and other three partners in the English-speaking Five Eyes Alliance. Today, we at The Intercept are publishing another new JTRIG document in full, titled The Art of Deception, Training for Online Covert Option, uh, Operations. Uh, I know that you've read this, uh, and I've asked you on tonight to discuss it. Give us your thoughts on how this 2014 article applies to us today in 2022, Leo. Well, we see, uh, Brandon, all the time these, uh, we call them trolls, right? Right. And some of them may be, you know, legitimate act, left-wing activists, but how many of them are actually paid by the government or paid by some NGO or left, far left uh, nonprofit to go into the chat rooms, go into the online communities, go into the uh, Facebook groups. A lot of them are private groups on Facebook where people are supposed to have like-minded interests, and yet we have other uh, folks infiltrating those groups, according to this article, and uh, putting out false information, stirring up uh, dissension between people who thought they were like-minded, uh, and posing sometimes that they will hijack someone's identity and pose as that person to put out information in that person's name. I recently had that done to me, uh, Brandon, on my Telegram channel. Uh, people started contacting me a few days ago saying, we received a, uh, a uh, survey that from someone who said it was you and they had your picture and everything asking us what we thought that your channel would, what what did what did we think your channel should be reporting on? So here, someone had hijacked my identity, said that they were running uh, LeoHoman.com and the the uh, related Telegram channel, and they wanted the people who who are signed up to my Telegram channel to tell them what they wanted to hear Leo Homan write or talk about. And so I never did find out who it was. I'm still looking into it. This is very fresh, uh, but it goes on all the time. I had it happen to uh, me. I had it happen to me, and we still have the screenshots. I had it happen to me in, in uh, 2017. Someone set up a Twitter account, used my name, just changed the spelling of my last name, used my picture, used my yep. organization logo, and started tweeting out as me People thought it was me, started following me. Then they started tweeting out racist comments, okay? And people started yes. email, texting me saying, is this really your Twitter feed? And I looked at it and I said, of course it's not my Twitter feed. You know, it turned out, by the way, to be someone within the evangelical community, which is why I wrote the book, Marxianity. One of the most, one of the most uh, dangerous uh, groups today are so-called evangelicals. That might shock people that I would say that because they think, well, wait a minute, House, aren't you one of the most conservative so-called evangelicals out there? Yeah. And yet what has happened? Pretenders and actors have penetrated the evangelical community as they have the conservative community to act like conservatives, to act like evangelical conservative Christians, and they're not. And what we were able to do is track this back to a group of people that many folks would say, if I named the name of the person and who's around them, oh, that's a 
that's a very conservative evangelical. Not so much. Uh, some of these people have written books. They've written books, uh, claim, you know, you know, and again, they're, they're supposed to be known conservative pastors, writing books telling the church in America that Romans 13 demands that you follow all government, regardless of how cruel, ungodly, unjust, you must obey, you must follow. All civil disobedience against the government is dishonoring to God, disobeying God. I mean, this claptrap, this scubula could be written by the communists, but it wasn't. It was written by a well-known so-called Bible teacher and put out there as poison to the sheep. Poison to the sheep, 20 years ago, it's still out there uh, convincing church members and pastors and seminary students that your duty is to surrender to tyranny no matter how cruel, ungodly, or unjust. So the point I'm making is we have people that penetrate these groups, whether it's the conservative group, whether it's the RNC, whether it's churches, church groups, seminaries, denominations. Well, they were wanting to stir up and destroy my credibility within the conservative evangelical community, so they started doing this. So I know exactly when you talk about trying to destroy somebody to their community or to their larger following, I know exactly what you're talking about. I've had it done to me. Yeah, that is, if you read this article by uh, The Intercept, that is apparently the uh, overarching goal of these government agents. And most of them are government agents, either directly or through contracts with private entities that uh, this, this operation is running. And so they hire people to infiltrate these groups uh, to, in some, in some cases, gain the trust, it sounded like from reading the article, gain the trust of the uh, person that they have targeted, and then they can get information, compromise type, compromising type information from that individual, and then spread it around. And they actually, the article said, would send emails to their friends and family uh, after they got the compromising information and try to destroy that person's reputation. Unbelievably evil, Brandon. Yep, absolutely. Look at the screenshot. Discredit a target. Set up a honey trap. Uh, set, we, I won't, I'm not going to name names because they've come out and apologized and taken a beating, so I'm not going to add to it. But there are conservative figures that have been set up by honey traps. Uh, for those who don't know, do you know do you know what you know what a honey trap is, right, Leo? I've read it in the article. Yeah. Do you, Do you want to explain to the audience what a honey trap is? Apparently, they uh, somebody will reach out to an individual, one of these agents, uh, and sort of develop a romantic uh, relationship with them. Um, uh, again, getting compromised information from the person, then turning around and using that against the targeted person to destroy their reputation. Very, com very common communist tactic, by the way. Send in a beautiful girl. Uh-huh. Send in a beautiful lady. Uh, Absolutely. They bump into them in a, in, a, in a restaurant. They bump into them in a hotel lobby while they're waiting for someone or a ride. Maybe they're sitting outside somewhere having their dinner by themselves. And so, however it's done. They, they end up, maybe they follow them around the country uh, as they're speaking at different functions. And this person keeps showing up and showing up and showing up. And you're thinking they're just a real avid so-called fan, you know, or conservative. Right. Well, they keep showing up where you're at and, try, and, and talk to you a little bit. And the next event, they're there. Talk to you a little bit. Next event, another state, they're there. Until you've built enough of a rapport with them that you start feeling like they're friends. And pretty soon that and again, oftentimes for the guys, it's an attractive gal. Sometimes they're younger. 
than the guy, and it's a honey, it's a honey trap. It's a, it's meant to get them in a compromising position so they can then use that to destroy them. This is a very common communist tactic, and sometimes it was done with a communist where they get them into a hotel room, and then they've got the video. Then they've got the video, they've got one-way mirrors, and they're filming it all, and it's being used. Now it's being used to control them and to blackmail them and to get them now to say things that they would have never said before, but now because they don't want to see their reputation destroyed, their marriage destroyed, their family destroyed, now all of a sudden you wonder why these people are going along with it and have changed, not the same people they were before. Maybe we see this happening with people that get elected. You know, they're elected within a few months or a year or two. They're not the same candidate that everyone voted for. They could have been well, the this is a pro- this trap. is a real real problem in Washington D.C. Brandon, uh, from what I understand, people who uh, you know are are very well versed in the Washington D.C. culture tell me that this is a problem uh, among many of the conservative politicians on Capitol Hill. They go up there with good intentions, but they start going to you know the cocktail parties and whatever. Maybe someone slips something in their drink, gets them loosened up. And then before you know it, they're in a compromising situation. They could even be passed out, but a picture is snapped. And then they've got, uh, they've got this picture or this video to use against that politician. And we wonder why he turned from conservative to uh, rhino. Yep. Here's another one. Change their photos on social network sites. Write a blog purporting to be one of their victims. Uh, email text their colleagues, neighbors, friends. Leak confidential information to companies, the press, via blogs. Post negative information on appropriate forums. Stop deals. Ruin business relationships. Using online techniques to make something happen in the real or cyber world. Um, two broad categories, information ops, information or influence or disruption, technical disruption. I mean, uh, this goes on and on and on. And the sad thing is, it seems as though this is being used by some of our intelligence agencies in the u.s well would that surprise you brandon no no <laughs> no <laughs> and 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 it's my belief that what they feel they can't get away with legally because you know it is illegal for the cia to be spying on any american citizen on u.s soil they cooperate with their counterparts overseas in the uk and they get the uk intelligence agencies involved over here in the United States to do some of this spying do the, uh, that they are not that they're legally constitutionally prevented from doing for themselves they farm it out to these foreign intel agencies i know that goes on for a fact as well now brandon do you remember the name cass sunstein oh yeah absolutely he was he is also mentioned in this article that you're referencing really he was in the Obama administration Cass Sunstein he was wanting he was the one of the ones wanting to um, really control the internet and set in policies like sidewalks so like for instance uh, Frank speech where, that Mike has spent so much to build uh, if if Sun, Cass Sunstein's ideas were put into place if I remember correctly he would have a sidewalk on the side and anyone that disagreed with what the site is doing or what we're saying now they could come on the forum and post links to other things comment whatever and we couldn't stop them we have we would have zero control over that so now we have people can come on they can comment with the comment section under the player but if someone comes on here and starts spreading lies putting out misinformation using foul language we can we can we can block them get rid of them on a public sidewalk we would have no control they could come on here and say and do anything. So if we're doing a show 
saying, look, this is the cultural Marxist agenda using the LGBTQ agenda or whatever it might be. They, or here is the myth of, you know, carbon credits or the Great Reset. They could come on there and, and use our audience that we built, we paid for, and our servers to put their comments to refute us. And we have to pay the bill for them to be able to come on our website. Absolutely. And see, that's where they want to go with the Internet, Brandon. Uh, and, and they want to also go right down to the ISP level to where if you uh, have been called out, say, by this new office, this new disinformation governance board that uh, uh, sleepy Joe Biden has set up in the Department of Homeland Security, now uh, they could put you on their radar and, and put strikes against you like they do in China. And uh, it's just the social credit scoring system applied to your internet connectivity. And this is why they want a digital ID for everybody. Uh, you know, we have IDs already, but that, that's not the type of ID that they're talking about when they say they want a digital ID for every human being. They want that to be your own personal internet ID uh, number. And, and, and by so, the way, people that refute what he's saying, we have the screenshots from Klaus Schwab's World Economic Forum, where they openly show their wheel and they talk about a digital world, a digital economy, a digital ID, and your ability to vote, get online, purchase things, it's all based on that. So they decide that you're a domestic terrorist, Leo, we're not gonna let you vote. Look at the judges right now. Look at the judges ruling that a candidate, oh, they're a subversive, they can't be on the ballot, right? Or what, the things they're trying to do now. You're like- th they, tried to get Mar they tried to get Marjorie Taylor Greene off the ballot. Yes, yes, yes. So they label her, oh, she's an insurrectionist, or she's what, she, she can't be on the ballot and get a j wacko judge to rule that. Well, pretty soon, they're, they're going to be with that two, two voters. Oh, you're an insurrectionist. You're not allowed to vote. They turn your digital ID off. You don't vote. Exactly. That's why they want everything done electronically online, Brandon, because then once all of life is conducted online, it will be so easy to cut people off from it if they don't tow the government narrative and the government line. All they have to do is temporarily or permanently suspend their ability to connect to the internet and therefore their life is over. Like you said, they won't be able to buy anything because most goods and services will be traded online with digital money. Yep. Uh, you won't be able to get information. You won't be able to hold a job if you don't have connectivity to the internet. So they, they're, they're trying to get these proposals through. Uh, they're trying to sneak them in through the back door, just like they're trying to do with the new health regulations through the WHO. Uh, this is the way global governments is going to come into place. It's going to be always through the back door. It's never going to be uh, front and center on the nightly news, discussed, debated, talked about, or argued. It's all going to be done uh, sort of coercively and, and surreptitiously. Absolutely. L Logan, is Laura ready? Okay. You want to come get my phone and you can call her or text her? Um, we're trying to get her on. We had Laura Logan scheduled, but we're having a hard time reaching her. So Logan, come get my phone. You can text her or call her. Um, by the way, tonight... I'm, I'm, very, I'm glad to see you having her on, Brandon. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Thank you, Leo. Uh, if we can. If not, we'll reschedule her for tomorrow night. Um, let, me, let me tell you one of the things we're going to talk about tonight, Leo, uh, on my show uh, during the 7.30 Central to 9 o'clock Central time slot. We're going to talk about... Um, this, this deal right here. Up to 10 million Americans 
may suffer from rare alpha gall syndrome, which causes sufferers to develop an allergy to meat. Now, I read this story three or four years ago about a gentleman that got bit by a tick. He got bit by a tick and uh, went out. He was on vacation with his family, and he had uh, a nice steak for dinner. A few hours later, his throat started to close. If his wife did not have an EpiPen for one of their son's medical condition, he said he would have died. They were on vacation somewhere. I mean, it wasn't going to be like, hey, let's go run, get an EpiPen. I mean, this guy was in, right. in, uh, in trauma. She happened to have an EpiPen, stabbed him in the leg with it, and uh, saved, his life, saved her husband's life. And so I thought, wow, that's really odd. This is three or four years ago I read about this. But, wow, that's kind of scary. You get bit by a tick, and now you can't eat a steak. So, yeah. or meat. Well, today, I, I saw an article over at the Daily Mail, and uh, it's linked here at this website as well. I put up the Daily Mail, but they have so many pictures I don't want to show on the screen. It's kind of <laughs> scanty pictures. But uh, around 3%, around 3% of Americans or around 10 million people suffer from AGS, which causes a person to develop an allergy to red meat. The condition often rises as a result of a tick bite. Experts explain that since the tick saliva resembles red meat cells, the immunity system attacks it. Many people who have the condition are unaware. And it goes on to talk about how this has been developed and, and how they're working on this and have been able to work on this in the labs. And I'm going to have uh, Patrick Wood on tonight to talk about it. And then tomorrow night I'm having on former uh, Pfizer employee Karen Kingston. But the issue is, well, how ironic. They could just create a virus, or they could put this problem into other foods, and all of a sudden, millions upon millions upon millions of Americans developing an allergic reaction to meat. Well, isn't that or, convenient? You know, all they could do, all they would have to do as well, Brandon, is somehow increase the population of ticks. You know, isn't isn't that convenient at a time when they're pushing the whole global reset? And Klaus right. Schwab openly in one of his slides is all about not eating meat. And you've got Bill Gates right. growing synthetic meat. Exactly. And buying up farmland uh, that, that was run by ranchers and putting out, you know, with cattle and putting out beef. And, you know, he he's taking over that land and taking it off the market. Yep. So, you know, I'm not trying to be conspiratorial here. All I'm saying is if I was them, and I knew that a certain type of tick caused people to get allergies to to get meat allergies. Why not release thousands and millions of ticks, you know, into areas that you know conservative red blood meat red <laughs> red meat eating Americans tend to live. Yeah, that's exactly right. right. That's exactly right. Well, again, uh, we're, we're, we're probably the first show to make the connection between this allergy and the World Economic Forum and their desire to have no meat and that cattle are passing gas, putting out methane and global warming. Uh, how do you get people to stop eating meat? Make them where they're deadly allergic to it. And it shows one guy, he's breaking out in rashes and all kinds of horrible stuff. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You Horrific. haven't heard this till tonight, right? No, this is the first I've heard of this. Yeah, go research that. Write an article at leohoman.com on that, Leo. Unbelievable. LeoHoman.com. Thank you, Leo. Thank you, Brandon. LeoHoman.com. Hey, folks, don't forget, you appreciate Laura, Laura is going to join us. If you appreciate all we're doing here, please go to MyPillow.com. Use that promo code L77, MyPillow.com. 
Use that promo code L77. Well over 110 products there. Well over that. I don't even know what the number is, but it's a lot. And folks, uh, great gifts again. Wedding gifts, housewarming gifts, graduation gifts. Please spend some money over there. Get great products. And at the same time, support this network, Mike Lindell's work. Also, don't forget about LindellLegalFund.org, LindellLegalFund.org. Remember, that code L77 also works at MyStore.com, uh, Mike Lindell's site for entrepreneurs, MyStore.com. Joining me now is Laura Logan. Laura, welcome to Lindell TV and the Lindell Report. Mike is out tonight, as you know, but he asked me if I could get you on. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. Glad to have you with us. I sent over this article to Leo today, as well as to you. I don't know if you had a chance to read it, how covert agents infiltrate the Internet to manipulate, deceive, and destroy reputations. I know it's 2014, but this kind of thing is still going on. Um, you've, you've been researching big tech for several years, have you not, Laura? Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. In fact, um, it's just been getting worse and worse. I did more than an hour on this subject for Fox Nation on Big Tech, Big Brother. And one of the most interesting things I learned was actually from a left-wing privacy um, activist. His name is Jacob Applebaum, and I think he's one of the most brilliant people I've ever been lucky enough to interview. And Jacob is fascinating because he was one of the pillars of WikiLeaks, right? I mean, he was uh, one of the, the mainstays because he was one of the developers of Tor, which is a privacy software that was really um, absolutely critical to WikiLeaks in the transfer of information, but you know, that it would be secure and that it would be private. Obviously protecting their sources, you know, was the most important thing on, on earth for WikiLeaks. And it's interesting that Jacob Applebaum and Julian Assange and Trevor Fitzgibbon, who were the three main pillars of WikiLeaks, were all accused of, uh, of, of being rapists. And then all of the charges were dropped and none of those charges were ever brought. But what they've effectively done is, you know, is crippled WikiLeaks. And, um, and Jacob Applebaum has been living in Germany because he's already been warned by the FBI. You know, if you step foot back in the United States, we'll come up with something to charge you with. Why? Because Jacob Applebaum is one of those people who saw early on what the Internet was doing to privacy and what the United States government was doing through technology. And where he opened my eyes, which I think is really important for people to understand, is he was one of the first people to say to me, there is no line between big tech and big government. This line that you think exists is an illusion. And, you know, one of the examples that he gave to support that was being at an event with Eric Schmidt from Google and listening to a speech by Eric where he stood up and basically talked about how they could use Google and use Google Earth and all of the technology and the data and the tracking systems and everything that they have to track terrorists and then to take them out and get rid of these people and eliminate them. And what, you know, when Applebaum was sitting there in the audience, what he told me he was thinking was, but wait a minute, you're Google. It's not your job to eliminate terrorists. Isn't that the job of the United States and, you know, the Defense Department and, and so on and so on? Don't we have rules for this and laws and, you know, shouldn't there be limits? And why are you getting involved in this? And, you know, I mean, for me, I just think that one of the very worst things that we have today is, is someone like Google that has such a monopoly that gives different search results depending on who you are and what they want you to see and how they want to manipulate you. Wow. And of course, I guess this begs the question, and I agree with you, this is fascism, big government, big business merging together, fascism, uh, corporatism, all kinds of words we can come up with. 
communitarianism, communism light, communitarianism is a word a lot of Americans aren't familiar with, what they should be, and communitarianism, big government, big business working together. I mean, we even have a guy inside the uh, George W. Bush administration several years ago that I quote in one of my books admitting that, yeah, George W. Bush was also into communitarianism, big government, big business merging together. How interesting. His father, of course, George H., who was president, was also head of what? The CIA. So I guess my question is, at what level at what level are a lot of these companies that we look at and we see these young guys like Mark Zuckerberg in Facebook, and you think, wow, how did that guy get the capital and get the opportunity to do that? How many of these companies well, do we think are really, really just fronts for the CIA or funded by the CIA or funded by our government? They're not really private companies. Well, that's an excellent question. And there is a lot um, of research on this. There's, I've spoken to any number of sources in the intelligence community and in cyber intelligence and, uh, and other sources throughout sort of the, you know, the cyber intel world. And they point to the DARPA program um, that really was the origins and the beginning of things like Facebook. And then what they do, the, the, the kind of tactics that they use is that, you know, the, the CIA will work with DARPA They'll develop something like the Facebook system, and then they'll see the idea at somewhere like a college, and they'll see who picks it up and who turns out to be the most viable kind of candidate for carrying the torch, right? And so you've either got to be stupid enough to believe that you invented it yourself, right, or you've got to be dishonest enough. I mean, how did you end up with things like, you know, both Mark Zuckerberg and the twins think that they invented Facebook? Guess what? You know, probably neither of them invented Facebook. Can we prove that? Well, it's very difficult to prove, but certainly it's something that I've been looking at for some time because, you know, what is my personal belief? Well, as a journalist, can I report definitively that uh, these, um, you know, that Mark Zuckerberg didn't invent it? No, but you only have to listen to Mark Zuckerberg testifying to see that the guy is not a genius, right? He's not especially gifted. I mean, do you ever hear Mark? testify and think, wow, right? Like, you know, he's impressive. No, you know, you never see that. And so what you end up with is, you know, small people who are invested in their own lie. And, uh, and then on top of that, look how, look how ingenious it is. I mean, nobody would agree to have a surveillance device in their bedroom or in their deepest, darkest recesses of their minds, right? But we have phones that are essentially surveillance devices. We let them go everywhere with us. We take them to the toilet with us. We take them to, in, you know, into the shower. They're present with us all the time. You know, they know what we search. They know what we're afraid of. They know what our fetishes are or fantasies or, you know, perversions for some people, right? They know all of this. And one of the most disturbing things to me is to hear young people today say things like, well, you know, I'm not doing anything wrong, so I've got nothing to fear, you know, I don't, or we have no privacy anyway, so what does it matter? There's two things here that I think are really important for people to understand. We do still have a right to privacy. We do. And the Fourth Amendment is still there. It hasn't gone anywhere. So every time I go up to that system clear at the airport and they say, oh, do you want to update from your fingerprints to your retina? I say no, not because I, I mean, I know that every time I look into that machine, they're scanning my retinas regardless. But what is the difference? The difference is I never gave you permission. 
I never willingly gave up my right to privacy. I never said you could use the scans of my retinas, right? Now, maybe that seems like a small thing to a lot of people because they've already got my fingerprints. And in some ways it is small, but in other ways, it's very, very significant because if we don't give up these rights, if we don't surrender them, they actually have to fight to take down the Fourth Amendment. And they never want to do that. They always want to use deception to get their own way. So they will tell you, well, this is a telephone. It's going to make your life easier. They won't tell you a few years from now, you won't be able to do anything without this device. If you don't have this smartphone with you at all times, you won't be able to get a menu at a restaurant. You won't be able to, you know, check into a hotel. You won't be able to buy anything. You won't be able to this. You won't be able to that. And we will be able to monitor you 24-7. Like when they say get a smart dishwasher, they don't say we're going to create a fake climate emergency. And a few years from now, we're going to turn your dishwasher on and off when we think that you can use it. Or your and AC. You're or your AC. You're setting your AC too low at night, house. You know, you like the bedroom too cold at night. You know, we're not letting you do that. We're going to put it up at 72 degrees, you know, or whatever. Yep. And so that was the one important thing for people to realize your privacy is still there and you have to fight for it. Because if you don't fight for it, you're, you're giving in to them. It's the same as surrender, right? And the second thing for people to realize is especially young people, don't be so stupid and think that it only matters if you're doing something wrong. With this data and surveillance isn't just about when you're cheating on your girlfriend or you know whatever it happens to be, right? You're playing hooky from school, whatever. This is about creating a human terrain map. And this is where the CIA and the intelligence agencies and so on and, and the government comes in. Because in intelligence, what did intelligence professionals, what were they tasked to do before technology? Well, they were tasked to create a human terrain map. And that tells them how to manipulate, how to control, how to recruit, how to shape their policies. Notice Obama, for example, he never says defund the police. In fact, he was annoyed after the last election. He came out and said publicly, we should never have used those words. Oh, why not? Because he knows people don't support defund the police. How do they know that? They watch the data. They watch what you say. They know who you talk to. How do they know, you know, now these days, if you support, you know, uh, the, the MAGA movement, you're radicalized, right? You're a domestic terror threat. You're an extremist. Well, guess what? How do they know who you support and who you don't support? Because they're monitoring every single little thing that you do and say. And today, you know, you can still get into a liberal school and pretend you're not conservative. You can still hide. Good luck. Good luck hiding a few years from now. When you've given up all your rights, you've put, you've moved into a smart city. Do you know in the UK, I think they've either implemented this already or they're about to implement it, where if you don't have a smart meter in your home for electricity, you don't get electricity. If they can't monitor and control your electricity, then they, they, you're not going to get any. And where this becomes even more important is that you will see a lot of developers going into poorer communities, right? Disadvantaged communities, minority communities, and so on. And what do they offer as a panacea to all your problems? A new smart city development or a smart home. What is a smart home? A smart home is basically where they build all of this technology into the walls, into the actual infrastructure of the house. 
and they tell you, oh, you're going to have free Wi-Fi. You're going to love it. And, you know, you can say goodbye to the days when, you know, you have to pay your electric bill and then your water bill and then you're, no, 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 we're going to simplify your life for you. You don't have to go to the doctor. You don't have to have health insurance because we're going to have a doctor on standby for you and you're going to do telehealth. They don't tell you that telehealth has obliterated the HIPAA laws, obliterated your rights. You need to fight for those and take them back. They don't tell you that when all of your services go through one single Wi-Fi portal that they give you for free. Okay, first of all, there's nothing free, right? As my mother used to say, everything has a price and there's always someone waiting to mug you, okay? So what does that mean? It means they have the control. They can turn off all of your services at once and turn it on or, you know, punish you. Not, I mean, look at what they're doing to people because of January 6th. Look at what they are doing. I met a young girl just a few months ago. She went and spent, I don't know, a week or something, a few days in an orange jumpsuit in a small uh, police station in Texas because she went to the Capitol on January 6th. Can you imagine that? Who would have thought that American citizens would be sitting in jail in the United States of America, denied due process, having never been convicted of a crime in an off-site correctional facility that was built for foreign terrorists and nobody would care. Nobody would do anything about it. It's, it's disgusting. And if you think we're not heading into this future, I mean, if you, you know, they're talking about chips now, the BBC and other people are doing stories. Isn't this wonderful? Contactless payments. What are contactless payments? They're another form of control because we can wake up tomorrow in a digital world and our entire bank account is gone. In fact, a- the World Economic Forum, as I talked with Leo in the last uh, segment, the World Economic Forum has a graphic the digital economy, the digital society, your ability to get on the internet, your ability to get on the internet, your ability to vote will all be tied. If they don't want you on the internet, they turn you off. If they don't want you to vote, they turn you off. As I was saying to Leo a while ago, judges now are being asked to to disqualify elected officials, members of Congress like Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh, well, she's a quote, domestic terrorist or an insurrectionist. Put her off the ticket. You know, don't let her be on the ballot. Well, people are going, what? But not enough people are outraged by that. They've been conditioned. Well, maybe she is. Maybe she's a problem. Maybe she's a loudmouth. Maybe she's not into unity and consensus. Maybe she's too extreme. Well, pretty soon, guess what? Uh, You can't vote. Why? Because you're a supporter of borders. You're racist. You're for, you know, uh, capitalism, the free market system. Or you said this over on social media. Well, no, you really didn't say that. That was planted. It was made up. But if they had the ability to turn you off, because your ability to get on the internet is based on what the World Economic Forum says is your digital ID, your ability to vote, digital ID, they just turn you off. Now you're not on the internet. Now you're not even able to vote. That's exactly right. Or you go to medical school and you're a doctor. Guess what? Your medical records, I mean, your student records are all erased. Everything is digital, right? So no, you no longer are allowed to be a doctor because you're an extremist, you know? No, you're gonna live in a different world. And you know what one of the worst things is? I mean, the World Economic Forum, it's, you know, people should take a listen to what their goals are for 2030, because one of those goals is that the U.S. will no longer be a superpower, right? So what does that mean? And why are all our leaders signing up, you know, for those goals? What does that mean as well? Why is nobody holding them to account? We talk about the World Economic Forum and we're branded, falsely branded and targeted as conspiracy theorists, right? Right. They can. But they can meet, they can hold these meetings, and they can basically implement policies 
that are already globalist policies that no one in this country voted for, that haven't gone through Congress, that, that have, you know, should not be enforced in this country at all, like their open borders policy and the human right to migrate. They can do whatever they want, but if we discuss it, we're the crazy people and the extremists, and we've been radicalized. That's my favorite. They've gone from, she used to be a good journalist when I was, you know, on 60 Minutes and uh, the chief foreign correspondent for CBS News and sort of the future of the best, you know, news program in the world. Then I was great. But the moment I wasn't towing the line, then I was, oh, she used to be great. What happened to her? Then it was, she's unhinged and disgraced. And then it was, she's radicalized. I mean, for goodness sake, you know, I mean, good for Tucker Carlson. He predicted that Elon Musk would be targeted as a white supremacist. I mean, I just laughed when I saw that New York Times article because it's so predictable. It is just ridiculous at this point. And yet they're still getting away with it because people are still going on to Twitter. They're still going on to Facebook. They're still going on to the New York Times website. And they are still turning to the enemy every single day and asking for permission to, to exist. Absolutely. That's what we're what? and making them and allowing our tax dollars to be misused to implement their policies. One final question. You're an excellent guest. I know our audience is loving it. I've gone over a little bit into my own show from Mike Lindell's show because it is so good. So one final question. I, I did. Okay. A, I produced a documentary called Brainwashed America. People can watch two hours of it for free at brainwashedthemovie.com. I've spent 30 years studying brainwashing and the techniques of brainwashing. I've spent many years studying how the North Koreans, the communist North Koreans brainwashed our POWs during the Korean War, how the communists went into China in the 1949 revolution, brainwashed the Chinese into accepting this. And um, what I see, Laura, is that we are giving the government and the intel agencies so much information that we willingly put into the computer system through Facebook and Twitter and other yeah. places that make it so easy for them to manipulate social behavior and to yeah. brainwash people. Uh, can you speak to brainwashing before we conclude? Yes, I mean, you know, whether you call it brainwashing or you call it information warfare, yes. I, I prefer information warfare because I see brainwashing and propaganda as weapons within a broader war, right? So propaganda and brainwashing are only two different parts of information warfare. And you're right, all of this is done to manipulate us. And you know, one of the, I guess, one of the very interesting things that I've learned um, of late is how significantly both sides are brainwashed. I mean, it would be great to say that it's just this side or it's just these people, you know, I'm not affected. And it's just not true. Here's a great example. When I was at 60 Minutes and CBS for 16 years, I, uh, I mean, I worked my, you know, I worked as hard as I possibly could. I was, I was as committed and as honest as I am today. I was as thorough and so on and so on. And uh, I worked to find the truth. I had no idea. Let me tell you the first day when I was working for a production company, that was going to air my show on Fox and I had to talk to the Fox press office, I was stunned. I don't think the CBS News press office has any concept of what it's like to work in the Fox press office where you're under siege from morning to night, morning to night, morning to night. And it's the same for all the anchors and the reporters at Fox. It's really quite something. And so, you know, there were certain things that we just accepted as fact. Right. Like, for example, 
you know, I was once challenged by pro-life protesters at the Hill as I was leaving from a meeting and we got kind of jammed in security and I was stuck there. And so they, I started talking to people in the crowd and they were really hard on me. They said, you know, you don't give us a fair shake. You only cover us when there's a, a bombing at an abortion clinic or something like that. And you make us look like lunatics. You never give our side of the story. And I, of course, instinctively defended the media and it didn't quite stick with me, right? I mean, it didn't sit well with me because I thought about it and I thought about it and I thought about it and I realized, wow, they're right. They're actually right. Like we just assume that Roe v. Wade is unassailable, it's the gold standard, and anyone challenging it is insane, right? Without ever doing a story that really attempted to understand or to give both sides. How many other examples are there of that? Like look at Roe v. Wade right now. Nobody is saying, hey, guess what? There will be many states because of states' laws in the United States of America where you can still go and get an abortion. No, they're treating it as if, oh, my gosh, this is the end of reproductive rights for women across the United States and the whole of the world. But don't worry about the famine that's coming. Don't worry about the John Durham case. Don't worry about oh, all those Nazis in Ukraine who are torturing and murdering people with the weapons we pay for as taxpayers. Don't worry about how they're, what they're doing to children in our schools. Don't worry about the fact that we have no southern border. Let's get, you know, outraged about Roe v. Wade. And by the way, at the same time, let's control both sides of the narrative once again. I, I, would, I would suggest that anyone who's really interested in this should go back to Joseph Goebbels, because this is where we are today. We are in the midst of, he was the master of propaganda. He knew how to control both sides of the narrative. And, you know, I'm gonna, I'll tell you something that's quite extraordinary. So you may recall that during the Second World War, one of uh, Adolf Hitler's signature moves, oh, I'm gonna get into all kinds of trouble now again, aren't I? But here you go. One of his signature propaganda moves that was created by Joseph Goebbels was when Hitler would reach down in the crowd and he would pick up a child, right? He was meant to sort of project this, this picture as father of the nation kind of thing. And I don't know if, uh, I think a lot of your audience will remember in 2016, during the campaign trail, one of the few times that Hillary Clinton was actually outside campaigning was in New York. And as you recall, on her way to her vehicle, she collapsed. And it was a big deal, the media went nuts. You know, of course, it's a candidate during an election. And um, she was escorted, of course, uh, by the Secret Service. And a few hours later, there was an event at a big apartment building in New York where uh, Hillary was coming out to see her supporters and to assure everybody that she was well. Now, of course, you have this security perimeter, right, with the Secret Service is holding. And you have the doorman under the awning, and you have the media, and then you have the mass of fans and everything, and you're watching this live on television. And as Hillary Clinton comes out, and anybody can look up this footage and go back and test my memory and fact check me and do whatever you like, um, but it's burned into my memory. And I, as Hillary Clinton comes out, what happens is a little girl breaks free from the crowd and runs across that open space, which is your security perimeter, and Hillary Clinton reaches down and boom. In that moment, it's like, oh, my goodness, what are we looking at here? What are we actually looking at? Because that move is copied from Joseph Goebbels. What does that mean? Wow. 
Wow. And I agree with you. The Hegelian dialectic process. Pit opposites against each other. Pick a side and pit them yep. against each other. That Hegelian dialectic process. It's such and a big part. Never be fixed. Say Remember? that again. Create problems that can never, ever, ever be fixed. The color of your skin is a problem. You're white. Oh, no. Right? You can't fix it. You can't change it. So why don't you spend the rest of your life on your knees, you know, crawling in the dirt, begging, begging for forgiveness. Are you nuts? Yep. But look, COVID can never be fixed. Coronaviruses are never going away. They are never going away, right? So they want to create all of these problems. You have your, what is it, the bias that they say is unconscious bias. How can you possibly fix unconscious bias? It's unconscious. You know, I mean, it's just, and, and if you go back a little bit further, what's really interesting is even things like AA, you know, that were programs like AA that were created for veterans, right? After, uh, I can't remember if it's the first or the second world war. What do they do? They give you a problem that can never, ever be fixed. You're an alcoholic forever. It's not true, actually. I know, uh, you know, a number of people who have been alcoholics who aren't alcoholics forever and who can drink a little bit when they want to, right? But, but it's part of this thing. Go into a therapist's office. What do they tell you? Create safe spaces around you and don't allow anyone who makes you feel bad into your safe space. That's, that's impossible. That is impossible because people who love you and care for you sometimes will be having a bad day and will make you feel bad, right? People make mistakes. Relationships are give and take, not in their world. You know, the, today they want, they're selling sex robots. Have a relationship instead with a robot. In Japan and, and London and Vegas and Switzerland, you know, you can, this is where you can go and they advertise them as life partners. What is that? That's a one-way relationship, right? And if you look at all of this propaganda, what is it doing? It's telling us, it's not giving us solutions. Like when they got rid of Dr. Seuss, it wasn't because of racial slurs. It was because of Dr. Seuss's book, you know, Dr. Seuss Goes to War. One of his main jobs was to counter what? What was Dr. Seuss truly famous for? He was hired to counter Nazi propaganda during the Second World War. Mm. That's what I had to do. And when you actually look at his books, all the places you will go is not a whirlwind tour of Europe, right? It's not a trip to the Caribbean. It's all the places you will go in your life where you experience failure and fear and loneliness and you disappoint yourself and you disappoint others. And it teaches you that this is normal and this is how you cope and this is what you can do and this is how you can still live powerfully. That's one of the best books ever written. And what they don't want us to do, if you look at the social media, why are our kids today having anxiety? Why are they committing suicide in unprecedented numbers? Why do they reach for a pill? Because we don't teach them life skills. Part of the information warfare is for our children to be the stars and the victims of their own movie. And it's a movie in which they experience very little in the real world. They do it all digitally. They never have to work for anything. You can be a sniper today in this video game. You don't have to crawl in the dirt and go through training. You know, you can do whatever you want. You never get fat in the digital world. So you don't have to worry to work out. And you don't even, you know, you never die because you can just come back. I had to explain to my son years ago when he was like, mom, why do you freak out about these things? And I said, because they're teaching you that suicide is a solution. They're teaching you that after you murder your brother, right? And then commit suicide because you can't live with yourself, that you then live in the afterlife and you interact from there with the real world. It doesn't work that way, 
when you murder your brother, you go to jail, right? And when you commit suicide, you never come back. And there isn't some joyous, you know, loving relationship that's complex and complicated and interesting and cool and funny that ensues afterwards. No, that is not a solution. It's a lie. It's a deception. And something, you know, that I think is very, very obvious today to so many Americans is that deception is key to their information warfare strategy. They don't say defund the police because they don't want you to know where you're really going. What do they say? Community alternatives to policing. Safe cities initiative. Oh, wait, that sounds a lot like vigilante groups funded by a radical political ideology with no training and no oversight who can just do whatever the hell they want. That's going to be much better for all of us. Oh, and the technology will be our policemen, right? We won't need prisons because, you know, we're not going to prisons. We're going to re-education camps or, you know, slave labor internment camps. Wait, what is the world economic forum mean when it says that most unskilled people will be useless, worthless. That's what Yuval Noah Harari, the senior advisor to the World Economic Forum says. Right. And you know what the answer is? You know what his answer is? We don't have a plan for what we're going to do with all these useless people. But I'm thinking right now, narcotics, drugs, and video games. I heard it. I watched the video. Drug them up and oh. play video games. So what does that tell you? So they, 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 does that surprise you then that the Biden administration is trying to legalize narcotics, get rid of all minimum mandatory sentences for people for all narcotics, that we have more Americans dying of drug overdoses and more young people than ever before, over 104,000 for the last fiscal year, and you hear nothing about it in the media, that the, the rate of fentanyl and other deadly drugs coming over the border is the worst it has ever been, but you hear nothing about that. They're handing out Narcan, which reverses overdoses, like candy to firefighters and police stations and school nurses and so on and so on, teaching our social workers to use it, teaching our kids that if you overdose, don't worry about it, just use this drug. And not admitting that many people, when their brains are deprived of oxygen for a period of time, don't come back with full brain function. And when you OD and you OD and you OD, you can end up a vegetable very quickly. And you only have to go to the homeless camps and see the people there and speak to them to see how many of them are turning into. Don't you wonder why we have more mentally disabled or mentally ill people than we've ever had? It's not just because people are admitting it. It's because we're creating mentally ill people because they're the useless members of society. So with information warfare, we can pretend that it's all about, you know, um, this or that. We can use euphemisms like social justice and never actually do anything to improve the situation for any minority community anywhere in the United States. But we get away with it because we package it as something else, wow. right? And they do that over and over again. In fact, I'm gonna create a list, like we call it the BS meter, right? These are the, uh, myself and my team, and we laugh about it. And we, we but we wanna find those phrases that when you see them, you know, a, a light should go off in your head or it should be a warning, right? You should be hearing sirens and know that you're being lied to. Masking terms. Absolutely. Laura Logan, fascinating interview. Thank you for your bright mind. You're quick. It's an <laughs> excellent interview. Thank you so much. Really, I went eight, 19 minutes over into my own show from the Lindell Report because it's so fascinating. I didn't want to interrupt you. LauraLogan.com has been on the screen. LauraLogan.com. Laura, great, great interview. Thank you for being with us live tonight on Thank you Lindell so much. TV. Thank you. I'm going to watch the film.
Thank you. Yeah, brainwashthemovie.com. You'll love it. Part yeah. two coming out this fall. Brainwashthemovie.com. You'll love it. Watch it. Thank you. Laura Logan checking in. Fascinating. We'll get that, of course, posted up online later so you can share that all over the place. Well, that's the Lindell Report. We're going to get into the Worldview Report now and then my show coming up. Again, if you appreciate all this, go to MyPillow.com. Use that promo code L77. Folks, where are you going to hear this? How many outlets are going to carry something like what you just heard, what we've been covering tonight? This is a rare, rare thing, Lindell TV. It's an oasis, folks, to counter the information operation. So vital that we have a way to communicate to disrupt the disinformation operation, the lies, as Laura was just talking about. So please, go to MyPillow.com, use the promo code L77. We're going to go to the Worldview Report, and then Brandon House Live starts tonight. i got a lot of great guests. Thanks for watching. Take care. You're watching Lindell TV.